All right, welcome back to From Aid Arbitration. And today, we're going to get into something a little different. Uh, I told you JB was going to come in last week. Uh, my schedule just would not allow it, and I apologize. Uh, I, two weeks ago, I was down south getting ready for regional training. I'm going to uh, teach a couple of classes, so I was down there getting those classes ready. Came home late Friday worked Saturday and then I was off again Sunday morning so uh, there was no time for him to come in and do that Deems episode. Last week me and Cliff and Jay went down a certain place on the manager who has chosen to be unruly and we were taking care of business down there and then I had an arbitration Friday. Uh, came back late Friday night, worked Saturday and JB said he had something to do with his kids. I said, hey, don't worry about it, brother. Come next week and, and take care of that. So I, I promise you, I give you my word, JB will be in here next Sunday, and he's going to do a Deems case. He's very good at Deems and catching management and certain things that they do. Uh, he'll have some things that, that you're going to request. I promise you, some of y'all have never heard of them before. Uh, but we've gone to hearing on this we've won he's very good very good at that so i look forward to that i've had a few people reach out saying they couldn't wait till the deems case i'm sorry <laughs> you got me again this week he's going to be next sunday i promise you that but this week we're going to do uh last chance agreements very tricky very troublesome very difficult for an advocate to deal with last chance agreements. And we'll get into that. We'll get into, uh, I may take you to an arbitration today, if you don't mind. Take you inside one. And uh, that's what I had last Friday was a last chance agreement. It was different. It was, I'll tell you about it, but uh, I'll take you inside an arbitration today, if that's all right. First, let's talk about some things that, um, have been coming up a lot with people messaging me, emailing me, and texting me, and and messaging me a lot about leadership in their branch or the failure of leadership in their branch. I will never understand that, how you're in a leadership role and you refuse to lead. I don't get that. Why are you there? Why are you there? To, I, I won't understand the leader that refuses to lead. That's what you do by definition. You lead. If you're not a leader, then you need to step down out of that position and let somebody else lead that wants to be a leader. If you are a letter carrier and you have taken on a position of leadership, if you're up there and you're using that position because you're too lazy to deliver mail anymore and you've gotten in there, and you've turned your back on your, your brothers and sisters once you get there, you need to step down out of that. And I know that, that you're not going to do that because you're used to, to not doing anything now. You're in that position. You're getting paid to sit on your ass all day. And you've turned your back on your brother and sister. Uh, you're, you're the lowest of the low. Know that. Whatever position you're in, whatever seat you're sitting in, I don't care how high it goes. If you've gotten in that position and you said, hey, I'm not going to lead, 
I don't care. I'm I'm going to sit here and hobnob with the people up here. You're uh, I, I use this word a lot, but you're trifling. That's what you are. Leaders lead. That's what they do. <laughs> Leaders lead. I I've been blessed in my branch. My last president, he just retired. His name was Dave Clark. And I tell everybody, so I spoke at his retirement party. I've never met a man in my life with more integrity than Dave Clark. That's how he ran his, his presidency, with great integrity. You look up leaders, leadership traits. The top one is integrity, leading with integrity. That was him. It didn't matter what you called up there with. He's going to handle it. He's going to handle it, or he's going to get you in touch with somebody that will. He will never leave you hanging. That was my president for, and since 2006. Before that, another hard ankle. He was amazing. His name was Tom Rollins. A hard ankle. I'm talking about foot and management's ass all the time. So I, it's hard for me to understand when people tell me, look, our branch has no leadership. We've gone to them about things and they refuse to lead. And it happens. You'd be amazed at how many people contact me about that needing help. And I try to help, but you know, Hey, uh, they're elected in, they can be elected out. And that's all I can tell you unless your bylaws have something different, but you know, that'd be a short term thing to me is somebody that refuses to lead. I'm sorry I got off on all that, but it bothers me uh, that people around, and it's all around this country, man, people are, are talking to me. Uh, you'd be shocked at the things that they say. Now, again, I don't know what's going on in your branch. I don't know these people besides them messaging me. I don't know what's happening in your region. But if you're a leader and you refuse to lead, you're basically a coward. That's what you are. <laughs> Leaders lead. Be, be a leader. Be a leader of your brothers and sisters. Do that. But anyway, that just that troubles me. Even as a shop steward, lead. That was a lot of things that have been on my mind here lately. Leaders who refuse to lead. Just don't get that. But let's talk about last chance agreements. Last chance agreements are, are extremely difficult to deal with as an advocate. Uh, reason being is you have signed your name on something, agreeing to something. And if you violate that, you have violated your signed word. That's what you've done. So it's difficult for an advocate to go into arbitration and say, hey, overlook the fact that we, we agree to this by signing it. Overlook all that and look over here at this. That's basically what we're doing. But there are ways that we can defeat those things, and, and we're going to talk about them here today. One thing I would never do if I'm writing up a last chance agreement, I've never written one up. I have never signed one, have never told anybody to sign one. And to me personally, I would never tell anybody to sign one. It's completely up to you if that's what you want to do. But one thing you need to pay attention to if management comes to you with a last chance agreement is signing off any ability to protest, waiving your rights as far as the grievance procedure. 
or stating that management doesn't have to have just cause, that they don't have to have due process, that any violation of this is immediate termination. I would never sign anything like that. Ever. Ever. That's just another thing that an advocate's going to have to defeat when they go into arbitration. And we can. But I would not do that. Uh, the, the, the last chance agreement I had here is a gentleman, and he has an issue with tardies. A lot. He had a 14-day, 13 tardies for 21 hours. 13 tardies for 21 hours. Then he gets a removal, five tardies for one hour. So 14 days, 13, 13 tardies, 21 hours. The removal, five tardies, one hour. And for some reason, some reason, they sign off on a last chance agreement to bring him back. No, me, I'm taking that to hearing. I'm taking five tardies for one hour to hearing. Because if you can't show the arbitrator that there's been an improvement from 13 occurrences, 21 hours to five occurrences, one hour, if you can't convince an arbitrator that that's shown improvement, maybe you don't need to be doing that. <laughs> but but uh, that's what we were dealing with. I'm going to read the last chance agreement. It's long, but I'm going to read you one just in case you've never seen one, heard one, even though that there was such a thing as a last chance agreement. But here's what it states, and I'm not, I'm not going to use anyone's name. I'm not going to do that. Even the arbitrator, if they're on the panel right now, I'll never use their name. So I'll say John Doe or Jane Doe for the supervisor, whatever. But this one had a little twist, too. Here's what it was. NELC representative, John Doe Stewart. USPS representative, supervisor, Jane Doe. Agreement. Management and the union agrees on November 6th of 2020. The union and the grievant individually executed a last chance agreement. This resolution states the notice of removal will be held active for a period of one year and six months from the signing of this agreement. Number two, John Doe will remain on the restricted sick leave list. After the period of 12 months, his attendance record will review will be reviewed and a possibly determination, that's what it states, and a possibly, and a possibly determination will be made at that time as to John Doe's retention or removal of the remainder, remainder, I never realized how bad this spelling was, Retention or removal of the remainder last six months and notice of removal from his record. Number three, John Doe must maintain satisfactory punctual attendance. In addition, any other violation of postal rule or regulation or occurrences or a situation arises which would normally result in discipline being the notice of removal will be invoked with the effective date being given for discharge from the Postal Service. During the 12-month period, John Doe will be allowed up to but not exceed the following unscheduled absences. A. Now listen to this. Now this is what this guy signed off on. No tardiness for 12 months. No tardiness for 12 months. B. 
present documentation stating him or his intermediate family, wife, children, are incapacitated if John Doe has to call in. After the 12 months, the remainder of the six months, John Doe has three instances of occurrences. D, zero instances of absent without leave, AWOL. Any violation of number two or any unscheduled absences or tardiness in excess of any one of the above will result in an effective date of removal being given to John Doe. Number four, appeal rights to the grievance arbitration procedure, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, Merit System Protection Board procedure are not waived during the one-year, six-month period on this removal action. So I read all that. I beat that to death, but I didn't realize how bad the spelling was on that thing. But listen to this right here. What do you think about this? Number three. John Doe must maintain satisfactory punctual attendance. In addition, any other violation of postal rule or regulation or occurrences or a situation arise which would normally result in discipline being the notice of removal will be invoked. So they're saying for one year and six months, you are flawless. You can have nothing happen that would res- normally result in discipline. Not just attendance, but anything you have happen in a year and six months, which would normally merit some form of discipline, we're invoking this removal. Would you sign something like that? If I sat down and they pushed that in front of me, I'm going to say, how tight can you roll that? Well, roll it as tight as you can. And then go in the bathroom. (laughs) What about this? No tardiness for 12 months. No tardiness for one year. How can you sign that? You don't know that. You can do your best, but you have no idea what's going to happen in 12 months. But here we are. Here we are going, going to hearing. Because one day... Out of 111 days, now this is this is factual, he worked 111 days. One of those days in that 111, he was late, I'm being serious now, one minute. One minute. Think about that. 111 days this gentleman was on time. One day he was late. One minute minute honest to god fired him did he violate the last chance agreement yeah yeah he violated it what does it say no tardiness for 12 months no tardiness for 12 months so if you're a minute late are you tardy yep you see what i'm saying i would never tell anybody to sign a last chance agreement never that's solely up to you and i and i understand it i do Because when somebody's facing removal, you're looking at three or four months, no pay. And if somebody sets something out in front of me, says, hey, this last chance agreement, you can come back to work tomorrow. You won't miss a day. Give it here. Think about it. Think about it. Okay. I'm going to take you into an arbitration. It's this arbitration. 590 pages of case file. 590 pages of case file. Now, arbitration, for those of you who have never been, but you've just heard about it, 
It's like a little courtroom setting. Some are big rooms, big tables. I've sat in a broom closet before in Springfield, Tennessee. Midsummer was in a broom closet with a kid's desk that the arbitrator sat at. It's like they're punishing us for something. But uh, I've sat in manager's offices where you could barely fit three people. But most of the time, you got big rooms, especially now with COVID, so they can they can space out pretty good. When you go in, long table. Arbitrator's going to sit at one end, and he's going to have the case file. When he comes there, he has no idea why he's coming. He has no idea. He When he sits down and looks at that case file, that's the first time he's going to know if he's there for discipline or contract. He has no idea. Unless he knows how to read the USPS number, because that'll tell you C or D. And uh, C, obviously, is contract. D is discipline. But on one side of the table is labor, and they may have a TA with them. On the other side is the union, and we may have a TA with us. And it'll be the grievant if if it's a discipline case and some contract cases, but if a discipline case, the grievance is going to be sitting beside the advocate most of the time, and then a TA beside the grievance. On the other end is an empty chair. That's for the witness. They're going to come in, they're going to testify, and then they're going to get up and leave. Can't stay in there. So they'll be, they'll be out in the hallway somewhere in another room. So you come into the hearing and uh, exchanging pleasantries. The arbitrator will get there. You know, you'll small talk, and then he'll say, all right, looks like we've got a discipline case. So uh, management, you're going to go first. So let's let's see here. We're going to make uh, the moving papers, Exhibit 1. Everybody does it different. Uh, the, the national agreement, uh, Exhibit 2. And uh, so you'll do things like that. And then they'll start the hearing. This case was different because the scheduling letter had that it was a contract case you got to be careful of that because sometimes they will make last chance agreements contract that burdens on us right we have to go first on this one the scheduling letter was contract but the b team decision said discipline and the person i was going against this was their very first case and they were a nervous wreck and so the arbitrator looks at me, he says, Mr. Walton, uh, looks like it's a contract case, so you're going to go first. And I said, well, sir, if you don't mind looking at the B-team decision and also the request for arbitration, it's a D. He looks at it, he's like, well, you're right. He said, must have got the scheduling letter wrong, so management burdens on you. So we, we escaped one right there by that. So he tells management, management, it's your burden. So you do your opening statement, and here's their opening statement. I'm going to read it to you. Now, about opening statements, with me, every one of them's different. Some opening statements, I'm going to tell the arbitrator everything. I'm going to pour it on management, and so much so that uh, this 142nd arbitration, uh, probably a handful uh, the arbitrator has given a decision after the opening statement. He'll ask management, you know, is this 
true? <laughs> and they'll be like, well, yeah, but he's like, well, let's think about something here to, to do something, you know. So you really poured on on some of them. Uh, some, I don't want to tell management where I'm coming from. I'm not going to put them on notice. So you're not going to tell a whole lot. Kind of the basics. Because you don't want to let management know where you're coming from. If you set a lot of traps, if you're going a different direction and they, they don't, you know, they can't see, you don't want to let them know up front where you're coming from. So some openings, very brief, some very long, detailed, put the hammer on them right out the jump, and then some just your basic openings, okay? So this one, management had made some errors in the B-team decision when I read it. A lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. Uh, their formal lay, a lot of mistakes. He's going to have a hard time under cross-examination. So I'm trying to combat what I think that they're going to say. And that's just one of those things that if you do it a little while, you understand what I'm talking about. Management's going to come at me with this. That's what I think. I think they're going to come at me saying that they've met just, or they didn't have to meet just cause, uh, because it's the last chance agreement that John Doe waived his right to just cause due process. That's where I'm thinking they're going to come from because they screwed all this stuff up in the, in the case file. So I'm going to prepare my case in preparation for their case. If that makes sense, I'm preparing my opening, for what I think their opening is going to say. And so here we go. Here's management's opening statement. And this is what it states. Mr. Arbitrator, now this is long. This is going to be reading, but I'm taking you on to hearing. Okay. Mr. Arbitrator, the case before you today is whether management violated Article 16 of the National Agreement and Section 115 of the M39 Management of Delivery Services. Now, this is, actually, this is how it was written. I'm not messing it up. Section 115 of the M39 Management of Delivery Services when a notice of removal is issued to the grievance on April 14, 2021 for failure to abide by the terms of a last chance agreement. A notice of removal dated October 9th of 2020 was issued to Mr. John Doe for failure to maintain regular attendance and in full resolution of the ensuing grievance, the parties, management and the union, along with John Doe, opted to settle the grievance and draft a last-chance agreement dated November 6th of 2020. Supervisor Doe, the union representative, Jane Doe, management's representative, and John Doe himself all signed the agreement for the last chance. The last-chance agreement is unmistakably clear regarding what is and is not acceptable for Mr. Doe. The notice of removal it has been settled for will be held active for a period of one year and six months from the signing of the agreement. Item number three, Mr. Doe must maintain satisfactory punctual attendance. In addition, any other violation of postal rule or regulation or occurrence or a situation arises which would normally result in discipline being the notice of removal will be invoked with the effective date being given for discharge from the Postal Service. During the 12 months period, John Doe will be allowed up to but not exceed the following unscheduled absences. A. No tardiness for 12 months. It also stated 
that any violation of item number three or any unscheduled absence or tardiness in excess of any one of the above will result in an effective date of removal being given to John Doe. The union has also raised issue with management's disallowing John Doe a 30-day written notice of charges against him and not allowing him to stay on the job or on the clock during the 30-day period. Despite what the union argues, the last chance agreement is clear that any violation of item number three will result in an effective date of removal being given to John Doe and serves as a written advance notice. The question to be determined should be whether the grievant, in fact, violated the terms of the last chance agreement. By signing the document, the grievant effectively waived the rights he normally would have been offered under Article 16. This also pertains to the union's claim of management violating Article 16A of the National Agreement, where the union claims proper review and concurrence were not conducted. Mr. Doe was tardy on March 9, 2021. There is no contesting this fact in the file. In the investigative interview conducted on April 5, 2021, Mr. Doe admits that he knows what the Postal Service's policy is and even mentions beyond time. And when questioned about March 9th, he did not deny being tardy. In National Arbitrator Decision by Arbitrator Stephen Briggs, it is maintained that the language of Article 16 as a whole lends support to the conclusion that a last chance agreement in and of itself does not constitute a disciplinary action. And we'll talk about that in a minute. For clarity, management did afford the employee just cause prior to issuing the notice of removal on April 14, 2021. They established a rule and that the grievant had been aware of the rule. His prior discipline and the investigative interview conducted on April 5th show that we also investigated the incidents prior to the issuance of discipline. The rule is consistent and equitably enforced, and the union could offer no supporting evidence that anyone else was under the last chance agreement because their attendance wasn't as egregious as John Doe's. The notice of removal issued on April 14th falls in line with what had been issued in the past to Mr. Doe. He violated the last chance agreement that he agreed to by being tardy and subsequently was issued a removal for his violation of said agreement. This action will also be taken in a timely manner. The date provided on the removal was March 9th, and an investigation was conducted on April 5th, while the issuance of the removal was April 14, 2021. The action of removal was warranted due to the employee's own behavior and actions. Mr. Doe was tardy on March 9th, 2021. He signed a last-chance agreement not a next-to-last-chance or we'll-see-how-we-feel agreement with the union and management on November 6, 2021, agreeing he would not be tardy for 12 months. There were no asterisks. There was nothing in parentheses out outlining an if situation. There was no except for listed. It was cut and dry, and it was signed by all parties involved. The time to negotiate or debate the terms of the agreement had been before each individual signed it. With that being said, Mr. Arbitrator, this management representative respectfully asks that you deny this grievance in its entirety. So that was management's opening statement. A little side note. The union raised an Article 17 and 31 issue. 
And, and it was a powerful issue for us. Uh, we requested some information, and management never gave it to us, and some they gave to us late. Uh, when I get to the hearing, labor asked me, what are the issues for this case? And I said, well, the issues are the issues brought forward by the B team, obviously. Oh, so you're going to argue 17 and 31? I said, well, why wouldn't I? <laughs> she said, well, I thought that uh, they had agreed that, that that wouldn't be an issue. I said, who's they? Well, that's just something I heard. I said, no. I said, I don't care who they are. The B team issue is what we're taking to hearing. And so, yes, I'll very much be raising a 1731 argument. Oh, okay. So anyway, uh, have no idea how that happened, but yeah. So we, we're going to raise this a 1731 argument. So then it's my turn, and this is my opening. Now remember, I'm trying to guess what they're going to say because, and I'll show you later, where management has screwed their position in the B team. And so... Uh, with waving and all this stuff, waving his rights. I'm trying to guess. She's going to try to correct some of the stuff that's in this file, and she's going to do it through her witnesses and through her opening and her closing. So let's see if we guessed right. Here's my opening. Mr. Arbitrator, the case you're hearing today deals with management's removal of city letter carrier John Doe. On October 9th of 2020, management issued Mr. Doe a notice of removal charging him with unacceptable conduct, failure to be regular in attendance, AWOL. As settlement to that removal action, the parties authored a last chance agreement, or an LCA, which was dated November 6, 2020. As part of the agreement, the parties signed off on the following relevant language. A. No tardiness for 12 months. Management has charged Mr. Doe with violating his last chance agreement by being 10 clicks late on March 9th of 2021, they removed him from his city letter carrier position for that single occurrence. Now, I know that I told y'all his late one minute. Well, they were saying that the five-minute leeway rule is eight clicks, so they disallowed all those, and they got him for this 10-click. Well, the two clicks is one minute, and that's how I sold it to the arbitrator in my closing. So when I say 10 clicks, you're like, he just said one minute. We take away the five-minute leeway rule, eight clicks. So two clicks, one minute, okay? I go on. In case number such and such, dated July 7th of 2021, arbitrator Glenda August opined the following. Management argued that the agreement did not request a change of schedule on the dates in question, nor did she advise management that the absences were COVID-related. However, the Nash Agreement, specifically Article 16, requires that just cause exist before disciplinary actions can be issued. While last chance settlement agreements serve a very useful purpose, final removal still requires that management satisfy the tenets of just cause. Additionally, even though the language included in the LCA indicated that management need only prove that the LCA was violated, to substantiate the grievance termination, the grievance cannot, in this separate contract, LCA, waive her rights under the National Agreement at Article 16. This would be a violation of the collective bargaining agreement. So I guessed it right. They're going to say that he waived his rights. So the first time in the entire case file, 
Nothing in the case law said that he waived his rights. I knew that they were going to come to this hearing and say that he's in essence waived his rights. So we guessed it right when we got this arbitrator's decision where she says that the, the agreement cannot in this separate contract waive her rights under the national agreement. So we were able to guess it right. She goes on to state, the national agreement protects employees by requiring management to show just cause existed to take the disciplinary action. The collective bargaining agreement does not provide management with unfettered rights to terminate its employees, nor does it recognize a waiver of the appeal rights of the bargaining members based on the tenets of just cause. The Joint Contract Administration Manual, or JCAM, provides that in the application of Article 16, no employee may be disciplined or discharged except for just cause. The JCAM explains that prior to the issuance of discipline, management must review the elements of just cause and be able to satisfy all questions which were established by the arbitration process for reviewing disciplinary actions. These elements, which are essentially six sub-questions, are utilized by arbitrators to determine if management did indeed prove that there was a need to take action, as well as prove that the action was necessary at the level imposed. The union will show how management's removal action has failed to meet just cause. The union will also show how management has violated Mr. Doe's due process rights in their removal action. And I included the Article 17 and 31 language. I didn't read it to the arbitrator because he's on several other panels. But uh, pointed out the 17 and 31 language. And I go on. The union requested very specific information in order to show with certainty that management's removal action failed in meeting just cause. Yet that information was never provided. This is a clear due process violation that the union feels must be fatal to management's removal action. Today, you'll meet shop steward John Doe. We'll call him John Doe, too. He'll go over his written statement for this case. He will show how he submitted several requests for information. Some information was provided untimely, and some was not provided at all. You will also meet Mr. We'll call him John Doe, too. He is the union's formal step A representative for this case. He will go over the union's issue statement, as well as his contentions and his requested remedy. Finally, you will meet Mr. John Doe. He is a city letter carrier with almost seven years of service. He will go over his written statement for this case. He will tell of the heartbreaking medical condition that his wife and he have been dealing with that ultimately led to his arriving at work 10 clicks after 8 a.m. on the date in question. Mr. Arbitrator, at the end of this hearing, the union will have clearly and convincingly shown that management's removal action failed to meet just cause. We will have also shown that management has violated Mr. Doe's rights to due process by failing to provide the union with our requested information. It will be for these reasons that we're going to ask that you sustain this grievance in its entirety and grant the union its requested remedy. We ask that the notice of removal be rescinded and expunged from all of Mr. Doe's files immediately, and he will be returned to work and compensated for all of his lost wages and benefits. Thank you, sir. So those are our opening statements. We gave him a little snippet, gave him a good arbitration decision that said, hey, you cannot waive your rights. 
We talked about, hey, we got a procedural due process violation in 1731. We got some information that came in late, and we got some information that didn't come at all. And so we put them on notice. Here's some things to be looking for when we get into this hearing. Now, here's where the hearing took a turn. <laughs> Management, she brings in, at the time was the shop steward, who has since gone into management. He was the shop steward at the time who signed and wrote the last chance agreement. Okay. So she brings him in as a witness. Now it hurt me because I trained this guy where we went before he was a carrier and they were being bullied by this certain individual. And this dude was big as a linebacker, huge guy. And, uh, and I kind of took him under my wing. And, you know, and even at training, in regional training, he came up to me, you know, gave me some love. And uh, and so it hurt me hearing that he went into management. But cowards do what cowards do. So anyway, uh, he went into management after this, a uh, few months after this last chance agreement. So she brings him in there to testify. So the only thing he's got in the file is his signature on the last chance agreement. So she... Uh, she asks him his name, says his name, how long you been with the Postal Service, tells that. At the time of this last chance agreement, were you the shop steward? Yes, I was. Turn to page such and such of the file. It's on page 157. Is that your signature on this last chance agreement? Yes, it is. Now, who wrote this last chance agreement? Well, me and the supervisor, we jointly wrote the last chance agreement. Then she asked him, well, was Mr. John Doe hesitant to sign this last chance agreement? Objection. The arbitrator looks at me and said, Mr. Walton, I said, uh, Mr. Arbitrator, I said, this man can't testify to how Mr. John Doe felt. He said, sustained. So she sits there. She's looking. She says, okay. She said, Mr. Supervisor, when you were in discussions with John Doe about this last chance agreement, objection, arbitrator, Mr. Walton, I said, yes, sir. I said, look, look here. This gentleman right here has his signature on a piece of paper. Now, I've let him testify to him signing this, him writing this. I don't care about any of that. He can testify to that. Whatever he wants to about his signature on this piece of paper he can have at it. However, he will not sit here and testify to a meeting he had with my, my the grievant over anything. If he wanted to do that, he should have included a statement in the file so that he could come in here and testify. Besides that, this is all new argument. We're not going to let them build their case here today at the arbitration. So the arbitrator looks over at management. He's like, Miss So-and-so, your response? She looked at the arbitrator. No kidding. Three seconds. She looked at him with no response. He said, I got it. Sustained. He said, you're not going to be able to talk about anything other than what's on this piece of paper. Listen to, listen to this. Advocates, you'll appreciate this. She looks at this witness for about 30 seconds. Doesn't say a word. She's like, that's all I have. So the arbitrator says, Mr. Walton, you got any cross? I said, I just got one question. I said, you were a shop steward at the time you signed this, right? Yes, I was. 
I said, at what time did you decide to go into management? Now that question had no meaning whatsoever. It was for the sole purpose of me telling him I know who you are and what you did. That question, it didn't matter what he had. I don't care if he said two days or two years. That question was for him to know, brother, I know who you are. I know what you've done. But that's all I asked him. I said, at what point after you were the shop steward on this here, did you decide to go into management? Well, it was about, let's see, January, sir. I said, it really doesn't matter. I said, if you don't remember, I said, just say you don't remember. Uh, probably about six months. Okay, that's fine. So that's all I have, Mr. Arbitrator. Management rests. They called no witness. They called no informal. They called no formal. Nobody. They rested on that one witness who came in and testified that he signed a piece of paper. That was it. Arbitrator looks at me, Mr. Wan. I said, I rest. <laughs> I rest. He's like, well, this is going to be a quick hearing. Why would I expose anybody to cross-examination? This burden is on management and management alone. I'm not going to expose my people to cross-examination and get into this case file. She didn't get into anything other than looking at this last chance agreement, saying he signed it. So I tell the arbitrator, I rest. So I do my closing. My closing. (laughs) Now... That's what I'm known for, because I talk, y'all can probably tell, I talk shit. And uh, so that's why my specialty is my closing. But my closing lasted (laughs) an hour and a half. My closing lasted an hour and a half. It sure did. But I had to get some certain points out to the arbitrator uh, that I needed him to know before he left. But I was not going to expose my people to cross-examination. You're not going to put this burden on me by not calling a witness, right? Let's go through a little bit of my closing. And this is what I told the arbitrator. I had the contract language, Article 16, 17, 31. And so I take him to the first page of Article 16. I hope this ain't boring y'all to death. And I said, Mr. Arbitrator, I'm going to hand you... I've got the contract language here, and I've got a few sites I'm going to read from. I'm not going to read from all of them, but let's talk about Article 16. Let's start at the very beginning, okay? I said, sir, this is what it says. In the administration of this article, a basic principle shall be that discipline should be corrective in nature rather than punitive. I said, now, Mr. Arbitrator, listen to this. No employee, now that's that's piggybacking off of our arbitrator August said in my opening, right? No employee. No employee may be disciplined or discharged except for just cause. Let me read that again, Mr. Arbitrator. No employee may be disciplined or discharged except for just cause. Now, Mr. Arbitrator, if you see that, that word no, I said, now the parties, uh, they're very smart individuals when they wrote the, uh, wrote article 16 and they will put in words as a matter of fact, they will put in words for emphasis like no, Mr. Arbitrator, if you turn to page 16, nine of that language, look at section 16, eight review of discipline. Do you see that? He nods at me. Look at the first three words. In no case, 
in no case. Do you see that? That's emphasis. That's a matter of a fact. In no case. So when you look at Article 16, the first paragraph, where they say no employee, that's again them telling you this is what we mean. It's a matter of fact. No employee may be disciplined or discharged except for just cause. It goes on to state that language there, and then it picks back up. Any such discipline or discharge shall be subject to the grievance arbitration procedure provided for in this agreement, which could result in reinstatement and restitution, including back pay. Any such discipline. I said, remember that, Mr. Arbitrator. I'm going to touch on that in just a second. But let's go to the B team, and this is what I was telling you all about earlier. The B team kind of screwed the pooch on this thing. I said, I'm going, to, I'm going to read to you, Mr. Arbitrator, from the B team. Now, remember, I didn't have any witnesses, so I'm having to tell this story because I don't want to screw myself in the grievance by not bringing in witness, but I just want to let them shift the burden to me. I said, let me, let me tell you. I said, now, management's going to do a, clo- a brief. I don't do briefs. I did ask permission to do a reply brief on Article 15. Our advocates, if you've never heard of that, Look in Article 15. You can do a reply brief. If management chooses to do a brief and you do an oral closing, you can ask permission from the arbitrator to do a reply brief. And so I asked for him for permission. He said he would give it to me. That's so I can address any new argument that management raises in their brief, okay? So I'm anticipating her going into her brief saying, again, waiving his rights. They don't have to meet just calls. So I'm going to beat that right here. I said, Mr. Arbitrator, if you turn to page three of the case file, this is what management states, if if you follow with me. First sentence on the first paragraph. Management contended due diligence and just cause were given priority consideration in this instant grievance. I said, Mr. Arbitrator, they're telling you right there they have to have just cause, right? Not only that, but they're saying that they've met it. So they cannot come back now in a closing brief and say that they don't have to have just cause. Because they're telling you here that they've met just cause. It goes on to state. Let's go to page 5. Page 5, Mr. Arbitrary. Look at the second paragraph from the bottom. Last sentence. Here's what they state. Management had just cause in issuing the agreement, the notice of removal, dated April 14th of 2021. You see that, Mr. Arbitrator? He's nodding at me, looking at me. Management had just cause. Again, they cannot come back now and say they didn't have to meet just cause. They're telling you that they had just cause. Let's go to page eight, Mr. Arbitrator. Bottom paragraph, first sentence. This is a discipline case, and management bears the burden of proof. Mr. Arbitrator, in management's opening statement, you remember? She stated what? It's a contract case. She even even cited National Arbitrator Brig, where he says contract case. Don't let that fool you. Look here. This is a discipline case, and management bears the burden of proof. Pay attention to that, Mr. Arbitrator, when you get this brief from management. How about page nine, Mr. Arbitrator? They go through the just cause principles, each one of them, and how they met it. Do you see that? What about page 11? First sentence of the last paragraph. The disciplinary action meets the merits of just cause. How about the bottom? 
Management has proven by a preponderance of the evidence it has met the merits of just cause. It has not violated the grievance due process rights and the grievance acted as charged. I said, they're talking to you, Mr. Arbitrator. They're telling you something. What is it? That they had to meet just cause and they met it. So I pull all that out of the out of the B-team decision to tell the arbitrator, look, they're going to come back in this brief and tell you that they don't have to meet just cause. And I told him that. That's the reason you read everything. Advocates, read it all. Read everything. Beat management to the punch. Know where they're going. And you will. They're going to say that, that just cause doesn't have to be met in last chance agreements. Be ready for those things. Informal, formal, have your sites ready in a last chance agreement when a carrier doesn't, uh, when a carrier violates that. Have your arguments ready. Make very strong arguments. And I'll get into man to the union's formal A contentions here because it's going to help you. Uh, all this will help. This is going to be a long episode. I apologize. I didn't realize that. But uh, And you may not even care about any of this stuff going through this arbitration, but I pulled all the stuff out where they talked about they needed just cause. It's going to beat management's brief. I, I know what they're going to do in their brief. They're going to say they don't have to meet just cause. So I'm going through all the B-team decision where it states we met just cause. This is a disciplined case. We bear the burden of proof. I'm showing the arbitrator all these things. Okay. Then we go on to state the just cause principle. Back to Article 16, I say, Mr. Arbitrator, look at this now. The principle that any discipline must be for just cause establishes a standard that must apply to any discipline or discharge of an employee. I said, Mr. Arbitrator, in that one sentence, you have any twice. It says the principle that any discipline must be for just cause establishes a standard that must apply to any discipline or discharge of an employee. Here down in the South, we say any means any and all. He's nodding at me. He knows where I'm going. Any and all. That's how we say it down here in the South. I said, but to attorneys or professionals, that any and all really means each and every. That means each and every. So that's telling you there, any and all discipline, all of it must be for just cause. I said, do you know what it doesn't say, Mr. Arbitrator? It does not say, unless you're on a last chance agreement. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say the principle that any discipline must be for just cause unless it's a last chance agreement. I said, if they wanted that to be in there, they would have put it in there. They're very smart individuals who wrote this contract. It does not state any and all unless a last chance agreement is involved. And then we went over the all the just cause principles and uh, all of them. And I showed how management failed in meeting every single one of them. And then I got into the 17 and 31 argument. But the first thing I told him when I started my, open, my, my closing, I said, Mr. Arbitrator, I said, you came here today to listen to two sides tell you exactly what's happening. I said, what do you know? He's, he's got a mask on. He's looking at me. I said, what do you know now that you didn't know before you got here? You know that a shop steward signed a last chance agreement. That's what you know. I said, do you think management met their burden of proof with that? 
can you leave here knowing that management met their burden of proof? I said, more importantly, how about this? How about the grievance right to face his accuser? How about that? How about nobody coming in here to testify about what they did and why they did it? Do you think they were hiding them for some reason? Do you think that they were trying to hide them from cross-examination? I do. I do. I said, but this man right here, and I put my arm around him. I said, this man right here, he should have the opportunity to face his accuser, and that opportunity was robbed of him by that person right over there who, for whatever reason, hid them, and we will never know. But I had questions for him. I had questions for him, Mr. Arbitrator, because there are things in here that I don't agree with and I don't believe. I needed some answers today, and I'm not going to get them. You know why? Because they're too scared to come in here and sit in that chair. So I, I just beat that to death, the, the face's accuser. What did he know? He, he didn't know anything. So my closing was long. <laughs> I'm telling you it was long. I want to go over these contentions. The guy who did these contentions, his name is Jerry Madden. I'm not going to tell you where he's from. His name is Jerry Madden. Very good contentions for a last chance agreement. Very good contentions for a last chance agreement, man. Covered everything. And so I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to go over them with you. And that way, uh, and, and in these, the sub questions, it's all the, it's all the, the things that I have gone over with uh, with y'all from back when I was doing sub questions. Uh, it's it's a certain set of uh, contractual revisions in the II completely changed in the removal. None of them cited. All of the usual suspects. All of that happened in this case. And so I was just given free reign on management in my closing to go over all of that. And I'm going to read these contentions too, if you don't mind. And it will help you, truly, if you're in a last chance agreement situation. Uh, you're going to have to fight like hell. I mean fight like hell because there are some arbitrators who do not believe that you have to have just cause. They say, hey, you signed it, you violated it, you're gone. Some arbitrators are of that opinion. You're going to have to fight like hell. To convince an arbitrator, hey, look, he cannot sign away his rights to due process and the right of just cause. He cannot waive those rights. He has those rights. The contract gives him those rights. No party outside of the national parties have the authority to change that language. So regardless of what he signed, and I told the arbitrator that, I said, I know management's over there mad as hell. That's what I told him. I said, I know they're over there mad as hell. They felt like they got bamboozled. Hey, we got we got hoodwinked here. We got hoodwinked here. We have a signed agreement, and they went back on it. I said, I sympathize with them. I said, but you cannot sign away the rights given to you by the parties at the national level. You just cannot. You cannot. No party at this level, has the authority to sign away those rights that are given to him by the national parties in a collective bargaining agreement. We just cannot. That can never be allowed. So 
I sold it like that. But here's the contentions. And I'm just going to read a few of them because they're really, really good. This is one of them. Arbitrators have consistently held that last chance agreements do not waive the just cause provisions of Article 16, Section 1. Each removal under an LCA must be examined on a case-by-case basis with all extenuating circumstances taken into account. Of course, an arbitrator may well find that violation of the terms of an LCA constitutes just cause for removal. However, this does not change the fact that it is still the arbitrator's job to determine whether just cause exists. For example, in C10846, and I'll put all these up for you, okay? They're very good last chance agreement sites. Very good. For example, in C10846, arbitrator Klein wrote, an agreement dictating that certain behavior automatically constitutes just cause for removal is likewise unenforceable. The grievance arbitration procedure allows for other managers or an arbitrator to be involved in the decision-making process as it relates to the determination of just cause. Despite the existence of a last-chance agreement, the agreement is entitled to a review of the facts which occurred subsequent to said agreement or the purpose of determining the existence of just cause and the appropriateness of the penalty. That's a great contention right there, man. That is a great contention for an informal, a formal, to come in there and look at the arbitrator in his face or her face and tell that to them. That's a great argument. Then we go over the just cause principles. Here's, here's one of the contentions. Is the rule consistently and equitably enforced? And this is where I killed their asses in the closing. Uh, first off, because they didn't give me information to where I could prove my position. Uh, they try to keep me from that. And that's what I told the arbitrator. I said, even if the LCA is the lowest quantum of proof necessary, if you say removal is the highest quantum of proof beyond a reasonable doubt or whatever you want to give that quantum of proof, and you come in behind that and say a 16-7 requires a lesser quantum of proof, if you go down below that and say, hey, look, the last chance agreement requires the lowest quantum of proof necessary, I said, Mr. Arbitrator, you cannot overlook the fact that management has prohibited the union from representing this gentleman by failing to give them the requested information. You cannot overlook that in any form of discipline, regardless of what it is. We have a right to that information. And I read in Article 17, where in the first paragraph, it has five rights, where it says, right, we have a right to that information. To defend this man, what they have done is prohibited us from defending this man to the fullest. That has got to be a fatal flaw. That is the most, what did I talk about in Article 17? It's the killer. It's the mosquito. That is the mosquito. That is a killer of discipline. I said, this man pays me money. You know how he does it? By union dues. He pays me to represent him. That's what he does. Arbitrators are steady nodding. He's into it. (laughs) I said, he pays me to represent him. And you know what they have done? Prohibited me from doing that. How? By not giving me the information that I requested. Because I'm going to show you with that information, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that management has violated this sub-question right here. And this is what it was. Now, we did get some tax clock rings. That wasn't what we requested. We requested 3972s, and they didn't give us any. 
But we did get a handful of clock rings, so we're able to do this. But this is a very good contention right here. Is the rule consistently and equitably enforced? The grievant John Doe entered an LCA on 11-6-2020. He was issued a notice of removal on 4-14-2021 for being tardy on 3-9-21 by 10 clicks. Listen to this now. During the same period of time, the union compared six other carriers in the same office between the six carriers. They had potentially 95 tardies during the same period of time. The ERMS employee key indicator reports for the six carriers shown only two tardies recorded. So management wasn't even recording everybody else's tardies, only this gentleman. While the grievance may be held to a higher standard due to his LCA, it also shows management inequitable treatment of carriers. And it goes on about the 14 day. So I destroyed that in my closing. I said, how is that not a violation of that just cause principle? I said, you've got six carriers with 95 tardies. Not so much as an official discussion given to any one of those. How is that not a violation of that just cause principle? I said, this man here worked 111 days and was late one minute. One minute. And he has lost his livelihood. I have six carriers, 95 lates, not so much as an official discussion. They don't care about their attendance. They only care about his attendance. I said, why is that, Mr. Arbitrator? I said, I have no idea. You know why? Because their witnesses didn't come in here so I could ask them. Because I wanted to ask them, why is this man the only one being held to that standard? Why are 95 instances of tardies between six carriers gone, unaddressed? How is that possible? We'll never know. Why? Because <laughs> he didn't have a chance to face his accuser. That question will forever be unanswered. But anyway, so that's a great contention right there by, <clears throat> by Mr. Madden. Here's a huge one right here. Now, this is one for y'all. Uh, it's a timeliness argument. This site is absolutely beautiful. Now, listen to this language. This is a great contention right here, man. I mean, he really did a good job. If y'all want this template, now it'll tell y'all the names and everything, and I hate doing that shit, but it's so good. I mean, it's one that, that you could have, you know. And uh, just change names and stuff. I hate to do that to the poor guy, but um, I'll try to get it to you if you want it. Was the disciplinary action taken in a timely manner? Now, here's where uh, last chance agreements differ from regular discipline. Okay, listen to this language. It's fantastic. The union requested from management all information used to issue city letter carrier John Doe a removal, dated 414. On 4.15, on 4.23, the information was provided. The information contained a PS form 39.71 generated by Supervisor Jane Doe. She signed and dated on 3.9. So they're telling you there that on 3.9, that's the date that it happened. On 3.9, they signed a 39.71, even though it was falsified. And we knew that, and that's what one of the things I wanted to ask her about, because I was going to trap her. We knew that it was falsified, and I could prove it. But she didn't come in there. They may have gotten a heads up on that. I don't know how, but unless she told them, I, I, I lied on, I falsified all that. 
So that may be the reason they kept her out of there. But I was going to catch her on that. She she falsified the 3971. But she dated at 3-9. So that tells you that on 3-9, they knew that he was late on 3-9. Okay? Also, there was a mandatory unscheduled absence report signed and dated on 3-9 by Supervisor Jane Doe. Now, they lied on that because they never talked to the man on 3-9. And on this report, it says that they had a discussion with him on 3-9 about the ELM. They never talked to him, so they falsified that. Remember I told y'all, management that Harley wants to lie? They love to lie. They love it. It's just that they're terrible at it. Supervisor Jane Doe is also the member of management who signed the last chance agreement. So the answer to was the disciplinary action taken in a timely manner. The only answer is no. The supervisor who drafted and signed the last chance agreement on 11-6-2020 was also the supervisor who signed PS Form 3971 and mandatory unscheduled absence report dated 3-9-2021. The employee everything report for 3-9-2021 does not annotate 10 clicks of annual leave used by grievance. She had knowledge of the alleged violation that she says broke the LCA, but waited until 4-14-2021 to issue the notice of removal. When Supervisor Jane Doe provided information to the union on 4-23, she stated on cover sheet, copy of request for discipline for John Doe on 4-14-2021 does not exist due to a settlement agreement was not adhered to by employee. So there's no waiting for the district labor to approve the notice of removal issued to the grievance on 414. So on 39, he was tardy the 10 clicks, right? On 39. On 39, he has the 3971 signed by management, even though it's falsified. So that worked to their detriment because it showed on 39 you knew. Also, the clock ring. I went to the clock ring and, I sh- and it showed that there was an alteration to the clock ring on 310. So I could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt they knew on 310 because you went in there and you altered the clock ring, right? So on three, I took the arbitrator that in my closing, and I said, look, on 310, you know for a fact they knew because here's this EIN is not his. The EIN number, his is up here at the top. This one here, this is somebody else, but I don't know whose because nobody came in here to testify. I couldn't ask them. So there's an EIN that's not his. So somebody in management, because they're the only ones who has access to tax, Somebody in management altered his clock ring on 310. So they knew for a fact we can prove on 310. But we got a 3971 on 39. So we knew that. They give him the investigative interview on 45. Okay, 39, you knew. 45, he has the II. 414, he gets the removal notice. Arbitrator Axon. A-X-O-N. In C-1112 states, in sum, the charges on which the Postal Service relied to remove this grievance do not rise to the level for which summary discharge is justified. On the premise, if management fails to act promptly after the grievance violates an LCA, that's perfect for y'all. That is great. He specifically talks about an LCA, not just a removal, but an LCA. I'll read that again. On the premise if management fails to act promptly after the agreement violates an LCA, the union can argue that the Postal Service, by waiving its right to act, has effectively changed or nullified the terms of the agreement. 
And I smashed that in my closing. C-16970 states, in particular, this arbitrator is of the opinion that charge number one given by the employee as a reason for the grievance suspension is clearly stale. As a rule, it is an essential aspect of industrial due process that discipline be administered promptly after the commission of the offense which prompted the discipline. Moreover, as in the case, such a delay in the imposition of discipline clearly leads an employee into a false sense of security that his conduct is acceptable to an employer. And that's exactly what, that's great language, man. Hey, last chance agreements, if they wait a period of time, use that language. It's stale now. Here's their problem. On 3-9, he was one minute late. On 3-9, now, Mr. Arbitrator, remember, we got a th- we got a 3971 signed on 3-9 by management, a return to work letter on 3-9. They even said they had a discussion with him on 3-9. On 3-10, I showed you the clock ring. You remember that? Where it showed that they had altered the clock ring for 3-9. So somebody in management knew. Why did they wait 27 days to have an investigative interview? 27 days. A last chance agreement means just that. It's a last chance. That wasn't his last chance agreement. He had 27 more last chances. 27 days they waited. How is that discipline not stale? And he nodded at me the whole time. I don't know if he just does that or hopefully he was agreeing with me. I said, how is that not stale? How is that not leading this man into a false sense of security? He was one minute late, and 27 days later, they're like, hey, come on in here. Let's talk about this. Give this investigative interview. How's that discipline not stale? Um, So that's great language for y'all, man. That's a good one. And I'll put that up for you. Here's another one, and this is one of the main ones that you can use, even though we signed it. And that's what I told the arbitrator. Look, I'll read it first. Number six, the LCA was not reasonable and required perfection. That's exactly what it required. No tardies for 12 months. Who can sign that? You don't know what's going to happen during that period of time. No tardies for 12 months. The LCA was not reasonable and required perfection. In C00239, it states, were it not for the last chance settlement involved here, every absence that the grievant had in the period in question would have been accepted as reasonable, and grievant would not have been criticized for them. Perfection in attendance has always been recognized as a goal to be striven for, but lack of perfection is not recognized as grounds for discharge. It is an impossible expectation that an ordinary mortal will attain perfection in anything, and lack of perfection is accepted as part of everyday life. If lack of perfection should reach a certain point, of course, it might be a basis for discipline. But lack of perfection itself is not grounds for discharge, such is the case here. To impose upon grievance the requirement of perfection at the risk of discharge is to require her to live up to a standard which is almost impossible to keep, and which neither the national agreement nor the handbooks and manuals require. Therefore, her discharge is not for just cause. And that's what I told the arbitrator. And I got into my man's story a little bit. He, he's got a little baby. And I'm not going to tell his name. So, I'm, you know, 
But uh, the little girl has some serious medical problems, serious. And I got a little emotional when I was talking, was telling the story to the arbitrator because I had three babies at one time. You know, they're all grown now. And I got a grandson now. He's eight. So I can kind of put myself in his, you know, putting him there in that spot. But I said, here we have a man who, who has a, a child on the day in question, kind of had a medical emergency with this little baby girl. And uh, so he had to call the doctor, told a little prognosis and everything. And the doctor said, just watch her, you know, and then, you know, get back with me. Well, the wife could then watch the child because if he said come to the hospital, he's gone. I'm missing the whole day, you know. And so uh, the wife could keep me. He said, so I busted ass trying to get to work and I was one minute late. I said, here's a last chance agreement where this man has has signed off that he will be perfect for a year, which would never happen. 111 days this man has made it without being tardy. The one day, the one day where his baby girl has an issue at home, and he don't know if he's going to make it or not. The one day, and he busts ass to get to work, and he's one minute late, and he's fired. And he has lost his livelihood on one minute late. Think about that. 111 days and one day, one minute late. And this man is on the street because he was not perfect. You cannot put that on anyone. He cannot sign that into existence. He cannot sign himself to be perfect at anything. And so that's what we were saying there. That's a great sight for you right there. What else do we have? Almost finished. That gummit. It's way too long. I'm sorry. I was just going to come in here and do a last chance agreement episode. We going on an hour and a half. Mercy. And then we got into the um, the information request. They had a B-team decision where management would give them uh, all information requested within five days. And they didn't. They, they were late on that. And so that was part of the issue was that you they didn't get the information within the five days. And then uh, didn't get some of it at all, the 3972. Uh, we didn't get that at all. And so that was a huge argument for us. But I want to read you what I wrote, read the arbitrator. Management's position as far as the Article 17 and 31. Now, this is why you read everything, advocates, because nobody else is going to be privy to a B-team decision, informal or formal. They won't know. So advocates read everything. But here's what it stated. They're, they're trying to defend them being late past the five days for the information. Here's the B team's decision. This was a while back, but it says the dispute resolution team has resolved this grievance. The DRT determines management and the such and such installation will cease and desist violating the citable formal step A resolutions as agreed to in branch grievance number there. Management will provide requested information to the union no later than five days of a request. Okay. Failure, future violations may result in monetary compensation. Here's management defending that them not getting the, the information timely. 
Here's what they say in the B-team decision. The union alleges management failed to provide the information. The union did not contend management violated Article 17 and 31 by not providing the information. Y'all hear that? The union did not contend management violated Article 17 and 31 by not providing the information. Five times in our contentions, we contend that. In the issue, we contend it. And then in the in the contentions, we contend it. So I just took the arbitrator to all those, and I was like, I have no idea what they're talking about, Mr. Arbitrator. Because <laughs> we got it five times in here where we contended it. So I'm not sure what they're talking about. Then they state that the information was provided to the union, just not in five days. <laughs> so... Oh, well, we gave it to them, just not in the five days. Management stated the supervisor notified the union verbally that the requested information was 2,000 pages and would take time to copy. That is a reasonable statement. That's what she states. That's a reasonable statement. The union does not refute the supervisor notifying them that the requested information would take time to duplicate. There was no violation of Article 17 and 31 of the National Agreement. How about that? We told you we got there's a lot of paper. So we're justified in not getting to you on time. So I took him to that, to that B team decision. I said, Mr. Arbitrator, does this state that management will provide the requested information to the union no later than five days of request unless it's a lot of paper? Unless it's so many copies? I said, does it state that? He's shaking his head at me. <laughs> He's agreeing with me. I said, does it state that? Then it's a violation. It's a violation. Management acknowledges they violated, and then they state they didn't violate it in the same paragraph when they state the information was provided to the union, just not in five days. They're telling you there that they violated it. I said, but most importantly, the 3972s, we didn't get it all. I said, Mr. Arbitrator, there's two controlling documents in attendance. The 3971 and the 3972. Those are the two controlling documents in attendance. We ask for the 3972s for all carriers because we're going to show you beyond a shadow of a doubt that they violated two of those sub-questions. We can't do that. We can't do it because they didn't give them to us. But anyway, that's a long episode. My God, an hour and a half. Holy smokes. Hope you all ain't asleep out there. But last chance agreements, they're tough on us. They're tough on us, y'all. Uh, fight to fight like hell if you have one violated. Those contentions right there will help you. I'll put those sites up. That's the best way to fight some is get these sites, read them. Read them, read them, read them, read them. And then you can make good contentions off of that. If you want these contentions, uh, message me, email me, text me. And I'll try to get them to you. Uh, like I said, some of you may never see one, may never deal with one. But if you do, we're in trouble. If you do, we, we got to help our people, man. Fight like hell for them. Get these sites. Read them. Make you some great contentions. Th those are good contentions, Mr. Madden did. Really good contentions, man. I, and I just went over them in my closing because I didn't have a witness. So I'm putting my case on in my closing, basically. But uh, hopefully that's helped some. Uh, maybe you're dealing with the last chance agreement. I will never tell somebody whether to sign one or not to sign one. That's not my place. That's not my place. I would be very leery 
uh, signing anything that said I waived my rights to anything. Advocates are going to have to work their ass off to cover that up, to clear that up. Um, they're going to have to work like hell to do that. That's, uh, you know, we don't want to put that on them. <laughs> Trust me. But um, last chance agreements, I, I, like I said, I get it. I get it. Somebody is scared to death of losing their job. Looking at three or four months out there before arbitration comes around, they're going to put their name on anything. I get it, but be very careful. Very careful with what you're, what you're signing, okay? Uh, and, and stewards, protect them. Protect them, all right? That's our people. Formal A's, dig in it, man. Dig in it. Get you some good sites uh, like Mr. Madden did. Write you some great contentions. That way your advocate, when he gets in there, man, he's just an orchestra leader. He's just telling you where to go, how to get there, you know, how much noise to make when you get there. Uh, that's your advocate. But that's your last chance agreement. I hope that uh, I haven't confused you on all that. That's a whole lot of talk. I did not. I expect it to be about 45 minutes. <laughs> I just talk too much. That's my problem. That's my problem. Next week. On my word, JB's going to do deems. He's going to do deems, and you're going to love it. Uh, the information he's going to tell you to request, it's going to stump management. He's going to tell you how to to, talk, to get it because they may not even know how to do it. Um, but he'll tell you all that stuff. So it'll be a great episode. If y'all need me for anything, reach out to me. Reach out to me. Uh, I will not leave you stranded. If you're If you're looking for something, Reach out to me. I'll get it to you. I promise you that. Uh, I want us to succeed at every level. Every level. Um, you know, I just do. It breaks my heart to hear some of your stories about being abandoned. Um, I'll never abandon you. I will never do that. I'll help you as much as possible. You cannot bug me enough. Uh, because I want you to succeed and I want you to, your people to succeed. I don't like my people hurting, all right? Y'all take care of yourselves. Have a fantastic week, a great President's Day tomorrow. Uh, take some time off. Enjoy yourself. And uh, I'll talk to y'all next Sunday with my special guest, JB. Until then, take care of yourselves, all right? Bye-bye.